The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning, Springs Church. Uh, Welcome to you all in the name of Jesus Christ. It is wonderful to have you here. And if you're a visitor, as usual, a specifically warm welcome to you. We are so glad that you're here with us. And we'd love a chance to get to connect with you, to get to know you and stay in touch with you. And one of the best ways you can do that is to fill out a visitor card. We've got some physical copies of those in the lobby at the welcome desk, and we've also got the digital version online. Uh, If you'd like to go ahead and look in your Sunday sheet, there's a link for that. There's a QR code. You can find those. We'd love a chance to connect with you, and there's going to be a couple of free meals coming up where we can do that as well. Uh, The first one is this Wednesday. We have our welcome table, which we do quarterly, and that'll be up in the north building, and welcome table is just a free meal for anyone to come and connect and share with each other, and so anybody that you want to invite, bring them. We'd love to have them. That's this Wednesday, and then this coming Sunday... September 8th, is going to be our beginnings lunch. And so if you're a visitor, if you are interested in the Springs, especially if you're kind of interested in maybe placing membership, taking the next step with us, the beginnings lunch is a great time to get to ask us questions, learn more about this church, get to know the Springs, and let us have a chance to get to know you a little bit better. So the welcome table, that's Wednesday night, and the beginnings lunch, that's a week from today next Sunday for lunch. But we're glad that you're here with us, and this morning we are continuing the Christ and Crisis sermon series. I was really, really blessed last week by Rob and Val's incredible testimony, and I know we're going to continue to be blessed by everybody that has the courage to come up and share their story with us, to share the pain and hardship and trials that they've been through and yet also to share how God has worked in their lives and redeemed them in and even through the hardship and suffering and crisis. And so this morning, we have the opportunity to hear from a very special lady from Jean Mulliken. Many of you know her well. Uh, Many of you maybe have already heard her story. Many of you will be hearing it for the first time. Either way, I know you're going to be impacted by the Spirit's testimony in her life. Um, I'm going to invite Jean to come on up and join me here. Jean and Lee have uh, been attending the Springs for just about three decades now, I believe, and uh, we are just so grateful to have them here with us. Jean, uh, when she retired from work a few years back, was working for the Chief Justice of the Oklahoma Supreme Court. Um, But the most impressive thing on Jean's resume is just the fact that she loves Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit permeates everything she does, everything she says, every act of worship. And so I've been incredibly blessed by Jean, and I'm excited for you all to be blessed as well. Before, we, before I pray and we get going, I want to go ahead and read a scripture uh, from 2 Corinthians 4. This is a scripture that has been important in Jean's life, and I think it's something that backgrounds all of her story that you're going to hear today, uh, which is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, but I'm going to back us up to verse 13 here. 
But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake so that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your servant, Jean. I thank you for her amazing heart and for the amazing story that uh, you have written in her life, Lord, and the ways that you have already used her in so many powerful ways and continue to use her and Lee. I give thanks for their family, for their marriage, for their lives and the way that they have been so faithful, God, even in the midst of trial and suffering. I just pray that you would continue to speak through them and speak through Gene this morning. Give us your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So, Gene. I'm just going to keep this a little closer. Yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. We're going to get comfortable up here. Gene, you, your life uh, is amazing to me, and as I've gotten to talk to you, I've seen that it's, it's been a full life, so full of so many joys, and yet full of tragedies and suffering and, and hardship. So take us back. I really think this sermon series could be retitled Christ and Crises mm-hmm. this morning because it's been a life of not just one crisis but more than one. And so take us back about 50 years and give us <laughs> kind of the backdrop to that first major crisis in your life. Well, as I thought about what I would like to share with you today, uh, there's scripture that I found in 1 Peter 9 through 11. And it says, if anyone speaks, he should speak and do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So that's my desire today, to simply come along with you and share how God has met me right where I have been. Lee and I were married over 58 years ago, and we began our life out in uh, Alaska, 5,000 miles away from Texas. We uh, returned after his military to Texas for him to get his uh, geology degree, and everything went well right from the beginning. We had a good marriage, and in that marriage, we uh, really were safe because we had one another. Uh, He got a good job after college. He went to work in the oil and gas industry, and we had not met any obstacles. In fact, our life held great promise. However, soon after Lee's graduation at age 23, 
I encountered my first experience of faith building. We were expecting a child, and the timing seemed to be so perfect. We'd waited four years, and it really did just look like everything was going like roses. However, at seven and a half months pregnancy, quite unexpectedly, Todd Edward, our tiny red-headed young baby, was born with severe complications of birth abnormality. And from before I even came out of recovery from a C-section, he had been taken into surgery, and there was some hope. And we began to pray. We prayed without ceasing. However, there were more serious complications. And at the end of uh, four and a half days, there was great risk. Early on the morning of the fifth day, I was told he had died. Amazingly, God did not despair. I did not despair with God. I had immediate faith and hope, and I had prayed that God's will would be done, and I knew it had been. I didn't question. Lee and I planned a funeral the next day. I was still going to be confined to the hospital, and uh, I could not go to the service. So we began to plan how uh, his place of burial would be. We didn't have a permanent home at that time. So Lee's parents lived out in Big Spring, Texas, 500 miles away, and we decided that that would be the perfect place to lay Todd to rest. Uh, after the funeral service there in Shreveport, Lee came back to the hospital, and he shared with me how the minister had talked about David in Second Samuel, how David had been, suffered great grief in the loss of his child. But when the grief was over, he put it away and began to praise the Lord. And that is exactly what I felt. I could not be sad. So Lee... Uh, prepared with some of my family to take Todd in his small casket and drive out to, mid, uh, to Big Spring. And his parents were waiting. Many family members were there. And the minister, their minister, uh, had a brief graveside riot, and Todd was lovingly put to rest. Meanwhile, back in Shreveport, my mom and my sister stayed with me. And on Sunday morning, uh, I was just given this intense desire that I must go to the nursery. And my mother protested, and she said, Jean, it's going to be too hard for you. And I, I just kept pers persisting. No, mother, there is great joy in the creation of new life, and I want to see it. And so that's what I did. Once again, uh, it seemed like uh, Lee returned in the days and months ahead. Uh, there were tears, great tears. But God, uh, God gave me Lee's arms to just hold me when the tears were dried. And they would be, we were full of hope. We felt like that God would bring us another child. I, and uh, six months later, I was pregnant, and I suffered a miscarriage on Christmas Day. And that shook me tremendously. Uh, still, we waited. We turned to God. We began to build our lives again. 
And 18 months later, Timothy Lee was born to us. And it was great delight. He was perfectly healthy. Two years later, Julie, who's with us today, was born. And we had a delightful family. We knew we had two children to raise and one redheaded boy in heaven with Jesus. And that gave us much hope. And so we let our kids grow up. And uh, it was a good time, Brett. Really was. And how did your, tell us about your faith during this season of, of trial, you know, that played out uh, over a while. How, how did your, what did it look like? Did you have faith? Was it in crisis? And tell us a little bit about your well, faith. Well, mostly it was through everyday life. Uh, from the beginning, we had photos of Todd on the coffee table. Tim and Julie pretty much knew they had a big brother. And occasionally they would wistfully say, I wish my brother were here. And I would reassure them that, that his lifespan had been five days. Our grandfather's life had been 92 years, but that there was a full cycle of life, a full lifespan that God had prepared. And in the preparation of that, it was complete. And I, I felt truly that Todd was a perfect as God had intended for him to be. And I would tell that story to Tim and Julie. And one such morning, when Timmy was five, we were driving along the highway in, in Houston, and he was, uh, this was before seatbelts, I must say. And so he was standing up uh, behind me in, in the back seat, and he, out of the clear blue, looked over and said, Mommy, when I get to heaven, can I sleep with Todd? And I said, you bet you can. And I thought, oh, to be the life of a child, to understand that Todd is simply in a different place, and he is going to get to sleep with him. And that was, that was the ordinary things that came about in our lives. It was the ordinary. Uh, we raised our children. We raised them in a Christian home, just as we had been doing. But I must share with you that we were not growing in the Lord in a close relationship. We had a carefree life, and it was wonderful, but we were not growing. We were self-sufficient in our affluent lifestyle. I think that can happen to all of us. We kind of believe that you've got the, the world by a tail, I guess you could say. But uh, we did enjoy that carefree life, and Rocked along about 12 years, I suppose. In January of 1983, much to our shock, Lee, at age 45, had a, a heart attack and a bypass was required. And uh, it was too young for heart disease. He'd never even taken an aspirin. But here it was, and we uh, had friends that came alongside us. Uh, the doctor suggested he might consider a new lifestyle which he did. He gave up some of his vices, and he began to jog. And uh, we just were thankful for a second chance, the blessing of a second chance for life. We returned to normal, and uh, it, was, it was really good. Uh, we were uh, amazed at how God was growing our children God's way, 
while we were not necessarily providing them the encouragement and the depth of, of his teaching. We were in church, and they graduated high school, went to Abilene Christian. Both of them uh, achieved their uh, higher degrees. They're teachers, principals in schools today. And uh, Lee and I uh, kind of just even enjoyed a couple of cruises. We, we just were empty nesters, and we were enjoying it. However, much to our surprise, although Lee had had great job security all of the days of our marriage, his job and his company sold, and he was without employment. And uh, he began to search for a new path. Uh, that path led Lee to a sabbatical in the Lord. And it was also, the Lord was speaking to my heart. Uh, I had joined Lee in uh, uh, jogging. I'd gone out to jog. He was on a, uh, a short uh, consulting job. And I looked in the mirror, and I did not like who I saw. It was a, it was a great uh, reckoning. And I knew at that moment that I could not stay where I was, not in that empty place, that I had to make change. So God led me to quail on an Easter Sunday. I have to tell you, I didn't know if I was coming to quell. I didn't know if I would go to Mayfair, but I knew I wasn't going back to that empty place. And the light on MacArthur and Northwest Highway was green, and I came north, literally. The cars in the parking lot were spilling on to May Avenue, and I came in a few minutes late and sat on the back pew, and praise, praise like I had never known before was being lifted up. So pretty much, that's how we got to Quail. The light was green. <laughs> I shared this with Lee, and shortly we found a new fellowship with all of you. We were like sponges soaking up the living word of God. We had found grace. We had found uh, a depth for which we had not even really searched for, but there it was right in the midst of our adversity. We placed membership. All was well. And even while he did not have employment, I must tell you that what we heard on Sunday was edification enough to take us through the entire week. The entire week we were blessed. Soon after that, I turned 50. And Lee planned a party for me like I've never expected in my life. And we even found a, a, uh, ten, a 5K race down in Dallas. I had joined Lee in the pursuit of uh, enriched lifestyle. And I had, uh, at that point, quite a streak going. I had read a run, uh, 1,648 days with consecutive days of not missing my exercise. So uh, 
we were we had our friends and family there, and uh, they began to give me accolades of my life, and I was able to review the decades of my life up to 50. My mother even wrote on my cake, jeans on the run, the best of life is yet to come. That cliche. And I felt it. It was there, oh, I had my best PR record uh, that day. I wasn't expecting to get first in my age group, but God gave me that. Unknown to me, two days later, in a routine mammogram, I was told I had a suspicious area in my right breast and that I should see a surgeon right away. So I went to the surgeon, and he shared the options that were before me. If it uh, were a lump, we would do a lumpectomy. If it could not be determined that there were good uh, I guess, perimeters, I gave him the authorization to do a radical mastectomy. So the night before we uh, went to go into surgery, uh, Lee and I lay in bed, and uh, we talked. We talked about our wonderful marriage, our wonderful life. We talked about what my body would be without a breast. We faced that, and then he prayed the sweetest prayer that probably has ever been poured over me. The next morning, not to be uh, too anxious, we both got up uh, about five, uh, preparing to run. And before I ran began, our run began, I stood before the mirror, and I told my breast goodbye. I captured that moment, that mind's eye, in my mind, and it is with me today. And it has been something that God, in his very unique way, prepared me to accept what I was about to see. So Lee and I went out, we ran. We ran our five miles, I was not going to miss my streak. And by midnight the next night, I was going to be running again. Well, during and after uh, surgery, a malignant mass was found. And while I was still in recovery, my question to the recovery nurse was, did I have a lumpectomy? And she answered no. And I knew, concluded, that I had had a mastectomy. So I said to her, do you have a phone in here? And she, she said, why? And I said, well, my husband is alone in the waiting room, and he does not need to be alone. And I want to call my church so someone can come and be with him. He had been alone more or less when our Todd was born, and I did not want him to have to go through that tough news by himself. Well, uh, as God always goes ahead, Judy Kale and Marcia White had been visiting someone else in the hospital. And by the time the nurse got out to the waiting room, Judy and Marsha were with Lee. And the nurse came back into the recovery room and she said, I don't know how, but he has friends with him right now. And that, that gave me a great, a great sense of peace. Uh, from the get-go, my children and Lee and, and all of the prayer warriors were praying with me. And uh, so... I went through, stayed, home, uh, stayed in the hospital a few days, and on the day that I got back from the hospital, 
I was restless. And so I woke Lee up and I said, I'm going to go walk. I may not be able to run, but I'm going to walk. And prior to that, I put my shoes on and sat in the chair, and on the front porch, I began to sob. And I said, Lord, this is too big for me to carry. I'm giving it all to you. It was my day of declaration of dependence on the Lord. I got up. I started walking. And I walked. I prayed. Walked some more, I cried. Walked some more, and God gave me a song, a song to sing. King of king and Lord of lords, glory, hallelujah. King of king and Lord of lords, glory, hallelujah. He is prince of peace, glory, hallelujah. And the song went on. And by the time I got back home, I literally felt the inner peace of God and that I could, I could not do it alone, but God would help me do it. So uh, from there, uh, there's a story of uh, uh, chemo. You have to go through the chemo. But I, being the runner, paralleled, gave the analogy that it was just going to be like a 10K race. At the first of a race, you're going to do the best you've ever done. But for any runner, you know you get to mile four, and you kind of hit the wall, and it you say... It was like mile two for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, oh, what am I, I going to do in this race? But somehow, you press on, and you get to the, the finish line, and it's, it's worth it. I mean, in minutes, you're back to, oh, wow, why couldn't I do this at mile four? However... Uh, that was the analogy God gave me that I could get through the chemo. And uh, it, it helped. It helped. Um, a little later on, of course, there's the issue of losing your hair. My hair was my glory. I'd cut it all my life. I styled it. I really was anxious about losing my hair. True to their recommendation or their end uh, Insight, they said that after the second treatment, you would probably begin to lose it. So uh, I fully saw that on a Wednesday night. Some of it started falling out. And uh, by Saturday, it, it had released quite a bit. And so I decided that I might not control my hair being lost, but I could control how I lost it. So, while I was jogging, I uh, kind of uh, uh, thought, well, I will, I will go in. Lee had already gone run with a group, and we were meeting up for breakfast. And so I, I came back upstairs, and I began cutting my hair in little sections. A row here, a row here. I had made the determination that I was simply going to sew little wisp of hair around the scarf, and it would be my hair that anyone would see. So I looked down, looking at that hair, and the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, Jean, your life is more than this head of hair laying on a countertop. So I jumped in the shower with my butch haircut. I took off. 
And by Saturday, uh, uh, by Sunday, it had began, while I was in the shower, to release in its entirety. And I started to sing, top of my voice. Uh, I might be losing my hair, but I had a song of praise. And by the time I washed it, I realized there were just a few little scraggles of hair up on the top. Monima knows this feeling. And uh, so I said a prayer. I said, Lord, help me accept what I am about to see. And he did. I came out, looked in the mirror, and I looked like an 80-year-old man who was slick-shaven. Few little scraggles there. Lee had come in the bathroom by then. And I said, well, help me shave it off. And so he did. And then I cried some more. And after a little bit, I said, well, I can't have red puffy eyes when I go to work. So I better dry them up and get to work. I would put the wig on, which I had gotten a little bit earlier. Went off to work. And I, I'll just give you these details because uh, you can have great despair, but God can change your heart. Uh, I walked into the chief's office, and a lady who was notorious for being quite grouchy and quite uh, territorial was declaring to the entire surroundings around her that someone had messed with her papers and I looked at her and I said, well, Jane, if you need to scra uh, snatch someone ball-headed, just come see me. <laughs> and I only tell you this because that's how fast God was changing my acceptance level. I, uh, I've had many, many psalms that have spoken to me in those quiet times. Uh, Psalms 42 in part says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants after you, my God. Put your hope in God, and I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. By day, God, the Lord, directs his love, and at night, there is a song he sings over me, a prayer to the God of my life. And, of course, Brett has already shared with you the scriptures that really spoke to me uh, in the temporary sense my body was wasting away. But I, reading that scripture, knew that there was something more eternal waiting for me. Well, 28 years have passed. I'm still a survivor by the grace of God. Many of our friends aren't. Yes. So, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearing your story, it, there's so many moments that, you know, there's a moment of crisis and, you know, it happens, you work through it, um, and then it crops up later and things play out. And with the cancer as well, with the health in general, um, tell us a little bit about how you've kind of learned to view crisis um, through your life and and what your relationship has, has been. Well, by then, uh, you know, that 28 years kind of gives you a sense of uh, you're pretty, you're aware of your illnesses, you're aware of your health. Uh, you have a pretty good outlook overall. In fact, uh, in fact, that was an illusion. 
and I want to quote this, uh, theologian Jürgen Moltmann makes this realistic observation in his book, The Power of the Powerless. And he says, our society arbitrarily defines health as the capacity for work and the capacity for enjoyment. But true health is something quite different. True health is the strength to live, the strength to suffer, and the strength to die. Health is not a condition of my body. It is the power of my soul to cope with the varying condition of that body. And truly, in the last two years, the, horror, uh, the reality of his observations have once again come to life. They've been true in our life. Uh, some of you know that a couple of years ago, Lee's uh, quality of health began spiraling out of control. Uh, there were not many answers. There was lots of exploratory testing. They finally concluded by his cardiologists that uh, Lee's uh, uh, heart disease had resurfaced through the failure of a graft, and they recommended that the uh, main artery be stented. And that is what happened. And we, we were full of hope that the quality of life would return. Uh, that did not prove to be the case. He was weak. He, could not, he didn't have the stamina to hardly walk across the room. And so many different doctors searched for answers. Uh, over the period of the next eight months, he went through lots of hills and valleys. And uh, through prayer, all of many of you came alongside of us to pray. I mean, your prayer warrior is a, a God's friend to lift you up. The Spirit works through the, the prayer warriors. And we felt that. We knew that. Uh, however, still weren't getting many answers. Uh, he was quite despondent, lay on the couch a lot. I was a bit in denial because we were overcomers, right? overcomers and um, I had to go on after all it was December by that time shopping to do package to wrap baking to be done and he was approaching his 80th birthday so much to his unknown uh, under the guises of having an early Christmas celebration gathering with our family we planned a big surprise birthday party in eastern Oklahoma. And as it drew closer, Lee, on the day we were to leave, looked at me and said, Jean, I cannot do this. You have got to call the kids and tell them it's off. But those plans couldn't be canceled. I was in charge. So, I forged forward with determination, and I needed a car to load the car. I had never loaded a car in my life. There were packages all around. I'm not quite sure how it happened, but no packages were left behind, and there was even a Christmas tree to be decorated when we got to our destination. And I, need, I just need to tell you that Lee is my go-to man. He had never failed to rescue me when I put too much on my plate. But he had no reserve. 
The harsh reality was he could not do it. So I had to do it alone, right? Well, we got there. Nothing was left behind. He even relaxed a little with me under the wheel, which had never been the case when we ran, when we drove. <laughs> Later that evening, the children and grandchildren were there, and we had dinner, and then Lee uh, retired to the bedroom to rest. And late in the evening, uh, the setting was such that Tim, our son, and our married grandson, Brannon, uh, were able to uh, encourage me. I began to describe the day as overwhelming, that uh, I even doubted my decision to continue on with this party. And Tim listened and offered me lots of reassurance. And it was then that Brannon, our grandson, said to me that he believed the Holy Spirit was speaking through him, calling me into a realm of leadership within our marriage that I had never done, was totally unfamiliar with me. And Holy Spirit wanted to, for me to know that he would equip me in those uncharted waters. And then as Brandon prayed over me, I was I just was struck with the way that Brennan would be used as the Lord's instrument to affirm God's eternal presence with me. So I went to bed. Next morning we get up and, and breakfast is being served and Lee disappears into the bedroom to get a shower. And as he, he this is the story he told me. Brief. Mine isn't brief, but he said, uh, I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. And I left to go back in the other part, told him to take care, he'd be okay. And then Gage, Julie's oldest grandson, walked into the bedroom unexpectedly. And Lee says that he came over and sat down beside him and said, Grandy, are you okay? And Lee, being very transparent, which is rare, reported that he had told Gage how tired and how weary he was. And at that point, Gage put his arms around Grandy and said, can I pray for you? And Lee reports that that was the sweetest prayer he had ever received. And um, I think that I felt like that the spirit of the Lord was using our two grandsons to speak hope into our lives when we both were at the end of our good moments. We arrived back home. Lee was scheduled for some skin cancer surgery. Went in fully expecting that to be routine. And the doctor came in and told him he had increasingly low hemoglobin and the surgery could not be done. Sent us home. Next day, Lee had an appointment with another doctor. Same confirmation. Your, your numbers are too low. Go to ER. And so for the next few days, uh, Lee spent much time with doctors, tests, anything that could be run was done. Why are you losing blood? And uh, on Christmas Eve, we were discharged with no answers, really. It, those answers were not going to come to us until eight months later, and we discovered that the anticoagulants were a bit too much for him. And so he, he needed to get off of some of them, but he couldn't get off of all of them. But, um, it, it was just the ongoing crisis. We're still in it. He's here today, 
but he had a procedure this week that left him rather drained, and uh, he wanted to be here. This is not just my story, it's his story. And we have received such prayer support from all of you. Uh, we know that those prayers are gonna continue. And honestly, today, I just simply uh, want to say that it is by the power of the Spirit that we can testify to you that our lives are in God's hands. And that's where we want them to be. We run to Him, God, Father. And uh, we run to Him for truth. And it's not by our power nor our might. It is by the Spirit of God. Yes, we run to God. And we want to keep running to Him. And we will know that in His truth, He is there for us. And that's the good news. That's the good news for us. So, thank you. Amen. Amen. I, I wanted to ask just one final question as we kind of wrap up. Um, just what kind of, if there's anything you would share with the congregation here uh, about crisis, about going through it, about your relationship with God through it, any kind of good news you would give them? Well, it is not about us. It is about God. And it's just been my desire to encourage you with our story. And basically to say to you, go and tell your story and let the world know what God has done through you. Jean's story might be just another story of death, disaster, and disease. But I've come to say to you that it is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in all of his majesty who has rewritten my story. In my brokenness, I declared my dependence on him. And by God's mercy and grace, I am now declaring boldly his peace has been what I've received. The Spirit calls me, and I listen to his voice. He asks me to come alongside you and listen intently to how I might relate to your lives. And I want to tell you that it is God's healing and sustaining power that you will take and change the story that is written for you. And I thank you that uh, I, I know sitting out here, many, many of you would have the same story for me to tell you. But God has been with us, and we have found peace. So go and tell. Thank you. I want to pray for Jean here, and then uh, we're going to let you get going, um, but and after she leaves the stage, I ask that we would uh, take a moment to just give her applause, to cheer her on for this incredible testimony and story that she's so bravely shared with us. Let's pray. God, we give thanks for Jean, for a life um, that has been lived in your direction and that even as the forces of darkness and the power of sin and death has tried to push her off course, that your Holy Spirit has been there to course correct, to guide, mm -hmm. to hold her fast, even in the midst of incredible suffering, incredible trial, and unthinkable hardship. Jesus, we praise you for your faithfulness through it all. We give thanks for your Holy Spirit, which has spoken through Jean today and continues to speak to our hearts. 
We praise you and love you, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You can stay standing for a moment. Uh, it strikes me that 2 Corinthians 4 is a pretty audacious passage because Paul refers to his afflictions, to our afflictions, as slight and momentary. And it almost feels flippant or, or kind of dishonest to refer to our afflictions, Paul, you know, you've read the New Testament, you know what Paul goes through, you heard Gene's story, but to call them slight and momentary. And it strikes me that the only way you can get to slight and momentary in verse 17 is through verse 14, where Paul says, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. That the only way we can possibly have that kind of perspective on our afflictions is from the perspective of the infinite God of perfection and peace. The God who has already overcome our afflictions, even as we continue to struggle, even as they are more than momentary. That the God of infinite peace can dwarf and heal and he has already done so in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's stand, continue standing and praise this God who leads us from affliction to the eternal weight of glory that he is preparing within us. Let's praise him.